0: Folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to discuss this Denver Nuggets win as the Nuggets take care of the Cleveland Cavaliers without Donovan Mitchell. Final score, 121-108. The Nuggets took care of business on the back-to-back. This was pretty clearly a Cleveland Cavaliers team that was kind of tired not necessarily playing at their best and obviously without the guy that scored 71 points it's going to make it a little bit easier to come out with the w. Cleveland also just missed a whole bunch of free throws in this game it was very odd 18 of 32 from the free throw line. Now they shouldn't have gotten to the free throw line 32 times I don't think. But still missing 14 three free throws in a 13 point loss is kind of a big deal. So this could have been a little bit closer then maybe the score indicates but i was just very impressed with the way the nuggets took care of business tonight against what was an inferior team ultimately cleveland they didn't play as well as they could have but the nuggets they just were unstoppable they were one of those teams that i think cleveland was maybe hoping that they could slow down nikola jokic that they could slow down the nuggets offense do what they can because when you don't have Donovan Mitchell out there, the goal, of course, is to play a little bit more defensive. You're without one of your, uh, you're without one of your small guards. Darius Garland did come back and he played pretty well. It was good to see him out there. But to me, Denver just broke what makes the Cavs do really well defensively. They hit their shots. They hit their threes. Jokic leveraged the defense so well and it seemed to me like the Nuggets took advantage of every single mistake that the Cavs made tonight. And the Cavs didn't make a ton of mistakes. They shot 38% from three. They were shooting a really strong percentage from the field for a while there, but really slowed down in the second half. They only turned the ball over six times, did the Cavs. They had 18 offensive rebounds in the game. They were unbelievable in terms of working hard. But their execution wasn't great, and the Nuggets took advantage of just about every single thing that the that the Cavaliers did wrong. So, really excited to see the team play this way. We'll begin with the starters in the first segment, move to the bench in the second segment, and then we're going to have to have the conversation about Denver just being a great team now, and that they just might be the best team in the league at this point, which is crazy to say, but not all that crazy. So. Let's get into it. Starters first. We'll go with Nikola Jokic, of course. Big time game from Nikola Jokic going up against Jared Allen. Evan Mobley kind of reminds a little bit of uh, some of the other big lineups that Denver has faced before. The Cavs were a team that gave Denver trouble last year. In March, I remember Denver played a game. I think it was March of last year. When Jokic was going for his MVP, he was on the road along with the rest of the Nuggets. And They did a thing where they fronted Jokic with either Kevin Love or Jared Allen, and then from behind, they had Evan Mobley, sort of as the roamer, and he was disruptive in those particular games, and Evan Mobley, just disruptive tonight too. One steal, three blocks, very, very good young player. But tonight, I think you saw what makes Denver so dangerous now in comparison to last year. Monte Morris, Will Barton, and Jeff Green. Not necessarily as impactful of floor spacers as Jamal Murray, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, and Michael Porter Jr. So when Aaron Gordon has more space to operate, like he did, he was able to finish some important possessions. He got to the free throw line several times. And Jokic was able to dictate it all. 35 minutes for Nikola Jokic, he was a plus 18 and a 13-point win. 28 points, 10 of 17 from the field, 3 of 4 from 3. Three threes, pretty impressive. 5 of 5 from the line, 15 rebounds, 11, off, 11 defensive, 4 offensive, 10 assists, 2 steals. Did have 4 turnovers, but who cares? His ability to break down what was a great defense really stood out tonight. The Nuggets have been a great team at attacking really good defenses so far this year. And one of the reasons for that is Jokic just punishes every small mistake and leverages every little bit of room that he has. And honestly, just there aren't enough players in the league that can match up with him physically and skill-wise. Allen did a great job tonight, I thought. I thought there were a lot of times where Allen had a really great contest on Jokic. And sometimes it just didn't matter. It was funny. Jokic made all three of his three-pointers in the second half. The first two possessions of the third quarter were Jokic threes. And he was just staring down Jared Allen on one of those threes. It's like, okay, I guess I'll take this. I've got a little bit of space here. And that's a star shot. That's just one of those things that stars do on occasion, and you just can't really control it if you're the opposition. There were a couple of other possessions of the other two threes, the first three of the third quarter, and then the one about four minutes left in the third, where Jokic used his off-ball movements in order to generate an off-ball three, where he's cutting to the three-point line, catching the ball and firing with confidence, and to see him be able to do that, along with all of the other amazing stuff he does, it's great to see. It is the last part of his offensive game that has really come into place over the course of these last, I don't know, 10, 20 games or so. He's starting to shoot the three ball pretty well. I'll I'll look it up on the year because I think he's he's just at a great place right now with his overall game and the three-point shot has been a part of it for sure. Yeah, now he's up to 36.8% from three. 36.8. Think about where he was to start the season. He was in the teens. He was not in a great place. So over the course of the last 10 games, let's just do that real quick. Um, his scoring average hasn't been that high, but he's averaging 52% from three because he hasn't needed to shoot a lot. What he's been doing in rounding out his entire game has been so helpful for this Nuggets team and him. Keeping opponents off, uh, honest on that situation, has been a really, really big deal. It spaces out the rim protector. It takes away the it like it brings lanes underneath into fruition. Like those other centers can't just sag off and protect against that. They have to press up on Jokic now, which also it helps on the drives where Jokic drives right to the rim, either does the dead leg to really let let a guy flow by. Or he'll just speed past them and, and get all the way there. So his offensive game has just been fantastic. The passing is is great. He had one pass tonight where he was facing uh, the right side of the court on the strong side. And usually he'll do the blind pass to the left corner. That's one that he likes to do. He'll just whip it over there and it, it's, it never ceases to amaze. This time he kind of reversed a reverse pivoted a little bit with his with the footwork going the other direction and then threw a backwards pass with his right hand to the left corner when he turned around faced the opposite end of the floor basically and then flipped a pass over to his right which was in the left corner at that point hits Michael Porter wide open for a three on time on target and you just laugh like it's hard not to laugh in that situation he is just a hilarious human being Jamal Murray, probably the next biggest storyline here, played a back-to-back, 32 minutes tonight in a back-to-back was a plus seven, staggered with that second unit. Wasn't the best stagger. I thought that he probably could have had a larger imprint on the game in those minutes. But honestly, I'm not going to lie. I got to imagine he was just trying to get through it, That he was just trying to stay out of the way a little bit as he navigated with his knee, trying to do new things, trying to figure out just exactly what he could and couldn't do in that situation. But for him to play 32 minutes, score 18 points on 7 of 13 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3, he had 4 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal, 2 blocks, was the DPOG along with DeAndre Jordan tonight. Murray played a great all-around game. It wasn't as much of a passing game as we've grown accustomed to lately. He was more of a a scorer. He was an off-ball guy trying to cut a little bit not necessarily doing a whole bunch as a creator, more so just riffing off of what Jokic was doing. But that's what the game plan called for. They didn't want to run as much pick and roll, and they didn't. It was just more Jokic commanding at the top, which that's fine. As long as Denver's scoring, as long as they're finding ways to be successful, Murray was clearly very okay with that, and I'm glad to see him get through it. Michael Malone called this a big, big milestone moment for Jamal. Jamal's talked about checklist items, uh, checkbox item, where he can uh, just check it off his little box of of things to do to make sure that he's back. And playing in back-to-backs was one of the last things I'm sure that he has wanted to check off. So to see him play and to see him play well, really, really impressive. I think he even had a dunk today where he's just driving down Main Street a little bit Maybe that was the previous game. These are kind of blending together because of the back-to-back, but uh, Murray's just – he's been great, and I think he's in a really good place where the confidence is there, the outbursts will be there, the Nuggets haven't needed that. Everybody on the team is getting involved, so it's really easy for Jamal to just kind of sit back and enjoy the show right now, and that's perfectly fine with me. Michael Porter. Started off a little bit slow as a shooter. Actually, well, that's not necessarily true. He like missed his first two shots and then hit um, three threes in that second quarter or like late first and then into the second quarter. Found ways to be successful in that first half and did some great things for sure. Continues to just be competent and collected on the defensive end. Nothing crazy. Not really being targeted in this particular game but there wasn't anything to really target. He was just fine. He was solid. He was a part of what Denver wanted to do. Grabbed eight rebounds tonight in a night where Denver really needed the rebounding. Allen and Mobley were dominating on the glass at times, and Jokic grabbed 15 rebounds in response. Aaron Gordon grabbed 10. Porter grabbed eight. Having all of those those guys grab as many rebounds as they did, it's a really, really great indicator of how important rebounding is to this team. Porter is a part of that. He just is. He's finding ways to be impactful. And he grabbed three offensive rebounds tonight. It wasn't just on the defensive end. Making himself available, hitting outside shots, got to the free throw line a couple times and looking more aggressive. He's progressing in the right direction to the point where I believe in what they are doing with him. And I don't think you could have said that or much close to that for a while so i'm glad to see it he's been taking some falls lately been getting up looks fine uh clearly still okay i don't know if he's dealing with pain on the side i don't know if that's something that he's had to manage but it doesn't look like he's playing with pain he's finding ways to get to the corners and hit open shots he's finding ways to even hit the contested shots there are still possessions every now and then, especially on the offensive end where you you scratch your head just a little bit at the decision making, at the timing of certain things. He's trying to find his impact, his imprint on the game. And I think he wants to be more than just a role player at times. But right now he's buying in and the team is winning. And so as long as they're as both of those things are happening, I think he's going to be happy. And I think the Nuggets are going to be happy too. Aaron Gordon, as I mentioned, 12 rebounds tonight, 30 minutes, only attempted eight shots. KCP attempted seven. That was the lowest in the starting lineup. Jokic attempted 17, and Murray and Porter each attempted 13. So interesting to see the usage kind of break down like that. This, I think, is the is close to the ideal of what the Nuggets would like, where you still have seven total guys in double figures, but you have Jokic leading the team in shot attempts. You have Murray and Porter at about the same number. You have Gordon and KCP at about the same number. Everybody's in the positive pretty much. And the bench was just a partial negative, not really that bad, but a partial negative for for what was going on. So Gordon was a part of the machine tonight. When he was defending Evan Mobley, he did a really nice job. He did a nice job against Jared Allen too. Denver was playing zone a lot tonight. Where you had some opportunities for Porter and Gordon to defend at the rim as opposed to it just being Jokic. And I actually think that that worked out for Denver. Porter and Gordon gave some really good contests. And because of how long and athletic they can be, Mobley and Allen aren't great finishers. They're good finishers, but they're not great. And so they combined to go 10 of 24 from the field tonight. And I think that really helped. That really helped what Denver was, was trying to do. Obviously, the offensive rebounding is still a bit of an issue, but I'm okay with it. It could be worse. Denver had some good possessions and uh, it's really all you can ask for. Gordon's been absolute nails during a lot of this. And to see what he did last game against uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and then to kind of transition it to against uh, Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, and he also blocked Darius Garland at the rim. If I'm not mistaken, I thought he had a block. Where, who had the block then? I thought somebody had a block. Maybe maybe they gave it to DeAndre Jordan, but no, no, I, I, that was weird. I thought that Gor- that Gordon had a block, but it is what it is. Uh, it was just great stuff from Gordon as a part of the unit that the Nuggets have been putting out there. That is just fantastic. And finally, KCP. Uh, what more can you say? Just stepping into his role, doing exactly what the Nuggets need him to do. He was the primary defender on Darius Garland tonight, who shot eight of twenty from the field, eight assists, one re- one turnover for Darius Garland. So KCP did his job. He didn't like Garland didn't have a good game. It was fine. It was twenty one points and eight assists and one turnover, but needed twenty field goals to do it. Field goal attempts and Garland was a minus 15. So that's what you want. You want KCP and whoever your lead perimeter guy is to really cancel out the opposing team's best. And KCP also added 14 points on four of seven from the field, two of four from three, and four of four from the free throw line. That's fantastic. KCP was a plus 15, Darius Garland a minus 15. It's really your story of the game right there. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the bench unit and what they were able to do against this Cleveland Cavaliers team. That is very good and has a good bench. We'll be right back. Big Axe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Add this to your New Year's resolutions. Win money in 2023 with Superbook Sports. Superbook has over three decades of sports wagering experience in Las Vegas, so you'll get the best odds anywhere as we head into the football playoffs. Plus, check out their special odds boosts and promotions at Superbook.com. Make 2023 the year when you win money from Vegas. Download the Superbook Sports app now and place your bets. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right, let's get to the rest of the rotation. Kind of back to a normal rotation tonight with Jamal staggering with that second unit. You had Jamal, Bones, Bruce Brown, Flacco Chanchar, Zeke Naji. That was the opening group with that second unit. And it wasn't perfect. It, It could have been better. I don't think it was that bad. It definitely didn't lose Denver any particular minutes. Cleveland in that first quarter, uh, they they won the first quarter twenty eight to twenty six. Denver proceeded to win the next three quarters uh, by reasonable margins: thirty six to thirty in the second, thirty two to twenty four in the third, twenty seven to twenty six in the fourth. So not a big deal. Uh, Zeke Najee only played in the first stretch and i'm not surprised they didn't only really played in the first stretch only had 7 minutes and didn't log a rebound or an assist or a point or anything like that had a turnover had a personal foul and it's one of those things where michael malone definitely reacted to what was the big weakness of the game for denver which was the offensive rebounding for the cleveland cavaliers it's one of the only things that denver's defense does great is they usually finish possessions with a rebound. Tonight, Cleveland absolutely killed on the offensive glass with Allen working very hard, Mobley working very hard, Okoro hustling, Kevin Love getting into position. There were a lot of offensive rebounds to go around. A lot of it because the Cavs missed and they miss a lot of free throws too. But it sort of felt like Zeke was a little bit over undersized. He was a little bit overmatched in terms of the actual size difference. And though it wasn't necessarily his fault, the Nuggets definitely decided to go a different direction, Michael Malone specifically. And he inserted DeAndre Jordan into the game in the second half as that backup center. And DeAndre Jordan was good. Not necessarily great. There were definitely moments in that game where uh, you could see... Some bad stuff going, but DeAndre had two blocks. He had a couple of rebounds, he had an assist, had an alley oop from Jamal. Or no, it was from Bones, actually. Uh Bones to DJ Alley Oop. That was very nice. Got the crowd going. And it was in the stretch where Denver, their bench really kept the Cavs at bay, where it could have come back to be a lot closer than it was. And Denver basically kept the margin at about 10 for most of that uh, late third, early fourth quarter. There were times, I think there was one point where it got down to eight. But Bones did a great job, especially of getting it back to 10. Michael Malone gave a special shout out though to DJ, and I wanted to make sure to mention him at the top here. Was overall helpful. Minus one tonight in his six minutes. Zeke Nagy only a minus four in his seven minutes. So it's not like, like between those minutes, Denver was a minus five in the minutes where Jokic wasn't on the court. That's fine. There, there could be way worse, way worse. But the most important thing for Denver was that Jokic dominated the starting minutes against a really strong front line for the Cavs. So that really sets everything up and it allows Denver to have that margin, which is perfect. That's what you want. Bones, though, deserves some credit for sure. He he has a like, – it's so funny. Like, I will tweet some things and I'm tweeting reactions to the game and Bones will go on this run where he has some bad decisions in a row has some possessions that I'm just I'm pulling out my hair because of what he's doing there was one that he gave a he gave a grenade to Jamal uh, it was one of Jamal's uh, he he airballed the three basically where Bones couldn't really get anywhere he, was, he had been dribbling for the first 20 seconds of the shot clock and then passed it to Jamal in the corner and said, hey, here, take this. Uh, that's, a, that's a big no-no, I think. Uh, but then Bones turns around and he finds other ways to just be super, super impactful. He had a stretch of possessions immediately after that bad play. Where he gets the ball on a rebound and then pushes the tempo and transitions so hard, drives down the throat of the defense and lays it up. Then he has that aforementioned Alley Oop to DeAndre Jordan. Then he gets switched onto uh, Evan Mobley gets switched onto him. And Mobley is usually a great guy to defend in switches, where he has the athleticism, he has the length, to contest just about everywhere you want him to go. And Bones caught the ball and blew right by him, right for a layup, and it looked very easy. It looked like a possession where Bones just got right to the rim against the dude, and it it wasn't even really a sweat for him. So there are these pockets of time with Bones hitting a couple threes, with him uh, having a couple of important assists, that he was able to help keep the bench afloat. Now, was he part of the reason why the bench struggled at times? Yeah, where he got switched onto a bigger player, and he's part of the reason, along with Bruce Brown and and Denver's overall lack of size on that bench, where they give up those offensive rebounds to a bigger team. But I do think that it's important to keep him engaged. Absolutely. It was was interesting. Michael Malone took him out today at about the seven-minute mark of the fourth quarter. And he kept in Bruce Brown. It was like Jamal came out and Bones came out at basically the same time. And Bones was not happy about that. He was very clearly frustrated. Uh, Michael Malone went to say something to him while Bones was walking by. Bones kind of brushed him off a little bit, went to sit on, sit on the bench. And then Michael Malone went over to talk to him for about 15 to 20 seconds during a, an actual like live possession. He just went over there and was talking to Bones and in his ear. He had two hands on his shoulders, or was on the chair behind him. It was hard to tell from my seat, but just leaning over the top of him, speaking words into his ear while Bones was looking on, basically. And I thought that was an interesting moment where it kind of finished with Malone being a little bit demonstrative in his in his actions and that conversation, like I asked about the conversation post-game and he was just saying, oh yeah, I just thought that I, I was telling Bones how good of a game he was having. That is not what was happening. <laughs> I could I could be pretty pretty frank about that. I, I Maybe it was. Maybe he said, yeah, you had a good game and now I'm going with somebody else. And it's his job to get the most out of the rotation. And you know what? Bruce Brown was a plus 10. He had a great game. He had a podium game. Bruce Brown was the guy that Michael Malone left in at point guard and has done a great job this year most of the time when he's at the point guard spot. So Bones could get mad all he wants, but Bruce Brown has been better than him so far this year. He's been more helpful in general for what the Nuggets have wanted to do. And when they're closing games in these tight games where you need fewer mistakes, you need somebody who's going to play defense and cut hard and do all of the things that the Nuggets need to do for a role player, I'm not surprised that they went with Bruce. And I don't want to make this a thing because it may just—it may just be a player who's frustrated being, with being taken out. That's not a big deal. That's understandable. But Bones has gotta like there's things that he's got to work on in his game. He's a little bit mistake prone. He gets overmatched plenty of times. And I think there's some functional things that he's got to work on in general. So. He can be better, and I believe that he can be better, and they should continue to play him, but it is interesting, and I wanted to mention that on the pod, because that is something to at least take note of, that Malone's using a little bit of tough love with Bones right now. Vlako Chanchar, fine game tonight, not necessarily anything notable. He got dusted a couple of times defensively, got a lot of like touch fouls on Darius Garland for and ones. There were two possessions in the first half and in the second half of uh, Vlaco Chanchar switching out onto Darius Garland and Garland just kind of driving into his shoulder, feeling the smallest bump and then getting the foul. It's tough. That is a tough one for sure. Garland is obviously an all-star. He deserves the credit for that. He's going to get those star calls for sure. But I thought that Vlaco played good defense on those possessions and was... Unfairly penalized in that, but Blacko also, he made a three, uh, had a nice, uh, gosh, what was his other field goal? I, I don't remember what it was. Some sort of two pointer. Uh, but he had three. He had three assists, one rebound, one steal. Just a part of what Denver was doing well. 18 minutes off the bench. He just continues to be very functional. Michael Malone was complimentary of him on uh, Thursday night, and deservedly so. And I mentioned Zeke. I mentioned, uh, gosh, who was the other? Okay, Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown closed the game. uh, Not not closed fully. He was basically in there from the seven-minute mark to the three-minute mark with the other starters and did a great job. Denver helped extend the lead during that time frame. And uh, Bruce Brown was a big part of that, where 13 points, six assists, five rebounds, one steal, hit three of his five threes, five of 10 from the field. Uh, Some of his floaters are pretty ugly. Like, I'm not going to lie. There there are definitely some possessions where I'm scratching my head a little bit. Like, he had a pull up mid range jumper, uh, something that was a little bit random. Like, it looked like something that you run for your star point guard or your star uh, wing shooter. And it was Bruce Brown taking it off of a Jokic DHL. But, like, you work on those parts of your game and, and you experiment at times and find ways to improve and get better. And so maybe that's a part of Bruce's game that continues to develop. I just happen to think that the floater isn't necessarily a great idea for Bruce to continue. There are certain times to use it, but it to me it feels like there are too many times where Bruce goes to it when he's off balance and not necessarily in control. So, either way, like the three-pointer though, that is working clearly. He just continues to shoot 40%. It's crazy. I don't I don't I don't really believe in it. But it's been going on for a full half of a season. So hopefully that continues. He's still going to be a guy that teams dare to beat them in the playoffs. If he does, then he could be Denver's Gary Payton II. Somebody who hits three of four threes in the clutch and Golden State did not run out on. So we'll see. We'll see what that happens, whether whether he can continue to hold up with that. But he was good for the starters. He was good for the bench. Just a very, very useful player that the Nuggets have added into their mix. All right. That's it for this game. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to just talk about like, hey, the Nuggets might be the best team. Like there, there's at least a legitimate claim right now that they are the best team in the league, which is nuts. Let's talk about it on the other side when we come back. and Roll final segment. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's wrap this one up by talking about the standings. Let's talk about some of the other teams. But let's talk about it in the context of what the Nuggets have done over the course of their last, well, 15 games or so. I say 15 because Denver had a three-game losing streak. Uh, They had a four-game winning streak right before that, but two of those games were against the Houston Rockets. Those don't really count. Houston's just, like, trash. Uh, so Denver loses their next three, including a game against the Atlanta Hawks without Trey Young, against the New Orleans Pelicans without Ingram, and against the Dallas Mavericks at home, where they had a really good matchup. And I thought they did some good things in that particular game about a month ago, but it just wasn't meant to be in that one. Ever since then, the Nuggets are twelve and three in their last fifteen games. Here are the three losses: they lost to the Lakers got kind of blown out in a situation that was pretty pretty ugly, not necessarily the best effort. They did not bring their A game and they relaxed once Anthony Davis went down. Then they lost a very close matchup to the Sacramento Kings on the second night of a back-to-back. Jokic had a shot to win it, didn't go down, is what it is. And then they lost this last uh, over this last week to Minnesota where that was on the second night of a back-to-back. A little bit of a weird situation. D'Angelo Russell goes down right before that. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns is also down, and I just don't think that Denver took that one that seriously either. So you're going up against three of, the, three of these teams, and I think you can make a case that you probably should have just won all three games. And you're starting to look at that and think, okay, if they had won all three of those games, they'd be on a... 15-game win streak right now, a little bit masked by the fact that sometimes they get a little bit apathetic, sometimes they don't necessarily focus up all the time, but they've played a great brand of basketball over the course of these past 15 games overall, just been very, very good, and they deserve a lot of credit. They are currently second in the entire NBA in record, tied with the Brooklyn Nets, the Boston Celtics are one game ahead of them. Denver's 26 and 13, Boston's 27 and 12. And Denver's point differential is really starting to match what their actual performance is. Denver now has the sixth best point differential in the entire NBA. It is, I think, a plus 3.9. Uh, and I'm, I'm looking at cleaning the glass here, which factors out garbage time. Yeah, plus 3.7 actually plus 3.7. They're on pace to win about 50 games according to their uh point differential. That'll change though because I think that they're just going to keep winning like this. I don't see any reason why they would shift away from what's been working lately. And what's been really working is the offense. They're now first in the NBA in offensive rating. They are unstoppable at 119.1 points per 100 possessions. In the minutes that count most, uh, non garbage time. Boston has dropped a second at 118.8. And though Denver's off or their defense still isn't where it needs to be statistically, they're not that far off. Like Denver's currently 25th, it says, in their cleaning the glass defensive rating. Part of the reason why it's not higher on this particular metric is because of the blowouts that they've had against the Clippers. The Celtics, and not the Celtics, uh, and the Grizzlies, where they just dominated those teams from start to finish on the defensive end, but those games don't get factored into numbers like these. So you actually have to go to the traditional data, which I'll go to it now. Denver's way better on the defensive end than twenty second. They're they're twenty third, but they are very close. They are within half a point or no, a full point of 16th in the NBA defensively. It is of close margin. It is not that far away for them to get to where they want to go. They just have to provide consistent effort. And I'm not going to lie, they might be the best team in the league. They've been getting a lot of national love lately. A lot of people projecting them to win the West. A lot of people... Maybe that'll change once the Warriors start getting Steph back and, and they are reminding people how good they are. Maybe it'll change when, uh, if John Morant continues to do crazy things and the Grizzlies look good. Or maybe if Brandon Ingram comes back to the Pelicans and they keep winning even without Zion Williamson, who's out for a month or so. But it sort of feels like Denver's in this spot where they're the belle of the ball. Everybody else has kind of fallen off, but the Nuggets are just the only team that's consistently getting better and more crisp right now. I mean, look at teams like Milwaukee; they just got demolished by the Charlotte Hornets tonight. And there are other teams that that kind of go into those runs as well. Philly, without Joel Embiid tonight, lost at home to the Chicago Bulls, who are not very good. Uh, New Orleans, without Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram, obviously they lost to Brooklyn tonight. And there are just a lot of teams that you look around and like. Phoenix, yeah, where the hell did you go? You're 20 and 20 now. Like You're an average basketball team now. And part of that is obviously you're without Devin Booker, but like they were trending down before that. And so you see all of this and you think, okay, Denver's trending in the right direction. They have consistently been trending up for a long time now. October wasn't great. I thought that they didn't try that hard in October. November, Jokic started trying. Murray started getting his sea legs under him. Porter was good. And then I think got hurt towards the tail end of that. December started off not necessarily that great, but Denver then picked it up and they started really winning. And now January, the Nuggets are playing like the best team in the world or at least somewhere close to it. So this is one of those instances where Matt Morris talked about, okay, peaking too early in the situation where you do not want to be playing your best basketball in January. You want to be playing your best basketball in April and May and having opportunities to just, I think, break through to new heights. Denver isn't at that level right now where I think what they're doing is unsustainable. I think their offense is just the most talented in the league and it's all about finding the right balance between when and how hard to play defense. Their defense on the season still is not good enough. But it just needs to get up to like 15th for me to feel great. Like if they are the first ranked offense and the 15th ranked defense, I will be over the moon. There is going to be no stopping me because there's no stopping Nikola Jokic and there's no stopping Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, everything that the Nuggets have going for them right now. Because as long as they have that offense, the defense doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be competent. And Denver's getting to that place. They have found ways with communication, effort, and a little bit of personnel maneuvering to make that work. And I'm glad to see it. They're getting some national love. There's a lot of outlets, including ESPN, that's been covering them and doing a really good job of sharing just what they're doing. And I love to see that. I think that this team deserves a lot of credit. And they may be one of those teams that is standing at the end. And I don't think people are going to be that surprised based off of how Denver's playing now. Really good stuff. Really good stuff in this game, but really good stuff over the course of this last couple weeks. They've changed a lot of people's opinions, including my own, on how far exactly the Nuggets are away from being the best team in the world. All right. That is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I'll be back. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be on Monday or Tuesday. It might take a couple days off, depending on what goes on. We will just have to see. I know Denver's having practice on Sunday or probably going to have practice on Sunday. So if anything is notable that comes out of that, maybe I'll podcast after the fact. But for now, let's just assume that I'm going to podcast after next game. Should be very fun. And I might have a surprise on the next podcast. Should be interesting. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. As always, talk to you guys next week.